hello, hello. Welcome back. Welcome back. So on this podcast, I want to talk a little bit about ancestral veneration. Now, I come from a Christian background, and I knew absolutely, positively nothing about ancestral veneration. It wasn't until I connected with the spiritual community on Clubhouse that I learned about it. And when I learned about it, I wasn't sure if God would approve of me doing an ancestral veneration. It took me a couple of months to even accept the ancestors to begin with. And my reason for that is because I don't want, I never want God to think I'm putting um, someone else before him, whether that's ancestors or spirituality, whatever it is. I don't want Well, anything along those lines, I don't want God to think that or feel that I'm putting something else or someone else before him. So I was very, very skeptical. And so what I did because I was skeptical is I already had an altar in my house and my altar is biblical based. There's scriptures up there. There's a Bible. There's the menorah, uh, flowers, so forth and so on. Right. So I have a couple of pictures from some family members that were deceased. Um, And so I thought, well, I'm going to put it on the altar and see how I feel about that. If I feel like this is not right, I'm going to take it off. (laughs) Right. So that's what I did. I put the dead people's pictures on the altar and all was well there. I didn't have any bad dreams. I didn't, I didn't feel intuitively anything was wrong. Um, I didn't see an angel or an archangel saying anything to me about it. So I was like, okay, it's cool. So I took the pictures off of the altar and put them on my dresser. I was like, okay, I can accept, um, you know, these, this ancestor, um, ritual. And then I crossed this incredibly, I call him prophetic because he does things the way real authentic prophets of God does things, right? Well, not does things, but sees things, hears things, know things. And so he did what he called an ancestral consultation or reading. And so I sat with him and He was able to tell me things about my ancestors. Um, Some of it I could verify, some of it I could not. But he said one very profound thing to me. And he said to me, your first generation grandmother says that she's going to send you a younger, a picture of her when she was younger. I was like, okay. But I was wondering how was she able to do something like that? When she's been gone, I think she died when I was one years old. Well, I think it was 48 hours later. Um, a, a second generation cousin had gotten into contact with me, which was mind blowing in itself. And he sent me pictures of my first generation grandmother. And it was a younger it was a picture of her when she was younger. 
And I was absolutely mind blown, mind blown. Then he sent me some pictures of my second generation grandmother in which he had the privilege to meet. There was some other family members um, in which he had the privilege to meet that had, you know, gone home, home to glory. And he sent me pictures of them. One of them, she and I look alike. And guys, I was mind blown. One of the main, the second to main things that my second generation cousin had told me was that the women in the bloodline owned their churches and in the basement of their churches, they would practice alchemy. And I was mind blown at that because I heard stories, you know, about people, you know, being in the church and they're doing this and doing that. And I thought, well, I don't know. Is it so? I don't know. I've never seen it. I don't know about it. But then when he confirmed it to me that these stories that I've always heard were true, I couldn't deny it anymore. Aside from that, I have a planet in my house of work at a degree that indicates alchemy, spiritual practices, and positive aspects to the moon, to my moon, my natal moon, and my natal Mercury, okay? I remember talking to an astrologer and I said, this is what I saw. Is this what that means? And the person told me no. And I knew that he was lying. I just felt it all in my spirit that he was lying and he didn't want me to know. And he reminded me of those pastors in a church that when you go to them and you say, listen, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm hearing. This is what's going on. And they tell you, that's not God. That's the devil. They were lying because they didn't want people to know what they were naturally gifted in. And that's what this astrologer reminded me of. The people in the church that don't want other people to know what their spiritual gifts are. There are some people that are okay with prophets as long as the prophetic word or the oracle is in favor to them. But the minute God starts exposing the truth is false prophet. Get him or her out of here. False prophet, Jezebel's spirit, which that's the first thing they run to. It was all good before, but now that God is exposing the truth, you want to bash me. Okay. So nevertheless, I proceeded to build this new spiritual life for myself. Um, which I actually came across before I had even entered the religious church. Um, things were just unfolding for me naturally, especially when I got into my, well, before my Saturn return in Saturn Square, I'll say that. And 
I would tell it to people and, you know, older than me and they would shut me down. But I still proceeded anyway um, and, and, and kept learning about metaphysical things. And think, the more I learned about metaphysics and quantum physics, the more things began to naturally unfold for me. So when the astrologer said what he said that reminded me of what the church said, I knew that, first of all, there's an alignment in my chart that says people are going to say these things to me, which is a lie. I'm supposed to um, have faith and believe in myself and my own spiritual work. So I want to share that with you. Have faith and believe in your own spiritual gifts. You don't need anyone's approval. When God gives you the revelation, you really don't need any confirmation. God showed it to you. Okay, Keep going in that direction. And ask that God would order your steps and lead you in the way that you should go. So this is about ancestral veneration. So when I spoke to the person that did the ancestral consultation, they they told me about ancestral veneration. Now, it wasn't the first time that I heard about it, but I, I wanted to delve a little bit more into what it was. And he, he told me what to do, you know, with candles and water and, and an offering and a bluing agent in the water. It just didn't sit right with me. So I went through Google and I discovered that People in China and people in um, Italy have been doing ancestral veneration for years. And I look at where they are financially. And even with their health, their physical health, mental health, emotional health, they seem to be pretty freaking okay. They've even come to here and created Little Italy and Chinatown. And I live in New York. They've come and they've built communities in our communities. But we don't have communities in our communities. And we're born here. So there has to be something with this ancestral veneration, right? So I went and I looked on TikTok and I looked on Instagram just to get an idea of what, you know, different cultures of people were doing with their ancestral veneration. It did not sit right with me. What wasn't sitting right with me is that a lot of them geared towards um, St. Teria. And St. Teria was something that God has always told me um, is not my lineage and to not go towards St. Teria. He also told me that, um, you know, in the windows of the Catholic Church, they have the painted glass of different. Um, saints, God told me that those were the seven African powers. I just know Oshun and Yemaya and whatever else there is, and but they're calling them uh, saints. And then I discovered, well, I realized through the through the grace of God that I just say, you know, archangel so and so. I do not say saint so-and-so. And the reason for that is because if you call on a saint, 
you're really calling on one of the seven African powers, which is not my lineage. And so I said that to tell you, uh, seek God about your lineage. Talk to the family members that are still alive about their um, lineage, their spiritual practices. What religion um, did they come from? And then research that religion and, and see what it is. Okay. Um, don't just copy off of somebody else and do what somebody else is doing because it's not for you. It's plain as plain and simple as that. It's not for you. Okay. So then God gave me a dream and in the dream, he was showing me how to do ancestral vener veneration according to my uh, lineage. And he showed me, you know, the candles and the herbs and the flowers and the offerings to put on um, the altar for the ancestral veneration. And when I woke up, I thought about it. And it dawned on me that, first of all, God's approve of the ancestral veneration. And he's going to cause it to succeed. If he did not approve, he would not have showed me how to do it himself. One thing I do want to point out to you is if you do have dreams of God, God will never show you what he looks like. You will see his glory, which is a bright white light, but it's just glorious. It's just holy. And you may feel like your body is like a filthy rag. And when you feel that way, God will remove that feeling from you so that you can have a conversation with him in your dreams. Okay. So always remember that God will never show you what he looks like. You will just see a white light. If Yeshua HaMashiach shows up, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he will show you what he looks like. And he is a black man. I don't know who's that man in the pictures that's been floating around. I don't know. It ain't Jesus. I can tell you that for a fact. Okay. Jesus is a black man. And he'll show up with different clothes on for different reasons. He may show you, um, you know, with him wearing all right, all white. You may see the holes in his hands. You may not see the holes in his hands. He may show show up in a satchel. I think that's what it's called, that, that ribbon that you wear, like across your chest. He may have on his crown and so forth and so on. So the point is he'll wear different things, but you'll see his face. You'll see a black face and you'll know what he looks like. You see the color of his hair. You see the color of his eyes and you'll just feel peaceful. Just an insurmountable amount of peace. And with that peace, you don't have any mental health issues and you don't feel any ailments in your body. There's nothing but peace. Okay? Just to let you know that. Alright? So... After I was, you know, once I was thinking about the dream that God had given me, I wrote everything down that he showed me in the dream. And I thought, okay, I have to go into a botanica store because I'm going to need these herbs and these candles. The very store that is a Santeria store. Okay. 
So I cleanse myself with a shower. I put some, and you can get this too when you're going into um, St. Saint, Saint type of stores. I have some bath and body oil, which is eucalyptus. Eucalyptus is for protection. And after I cleanse myself in the shower, I put on the eucalyptus oil. I anointed myself with essential oil, uh, lavender essential oil. I grabbed my um, natural raw crystal bracelets and I put them on. One of them was lava, lava rocks, which is for protection. Um, there's a couple of them that had a cross on them. I also took some crystals and put it in, you know, like a mojo bag. And in my mojo bag, I had um, a tourmaline crystal and a clear crystal quartz. So the tourmaline repels anything negative and the crystal quartz intensifies that energetic frequency. I said my prayers as I was on my way there. I was calling on my ancestors for protection and asked them to make sure nothing follows me after I leave that shop. So, honey, I was I was well protected. <laughs> I was well protected, honey, okay? So I go into the shop and there was an insurmountable amount of dust on the image candles, on the shelves, on the statues, on the jewelry, on the crystals, on the containers that they held the herbs in. They had a rose of Jericho in a bowl it had mold in it. The water was moldy and slimy looking. The Jericho was not healthy at all. The water, damn sure, was far from healthy. And they barely had anything herb-wise on the shelves. In the midst of all of this dingy dirt and dust, there were some people in the room in the back speaking whatever Spanish they were speaking. I don't know the difference between Dominican Spanish and Puerto Rican Spanish, but it was a Spanish. And I heard an animal. And I knew that they were doing an animal sacrifice. I didn't need to see it. But I heard that animal. I don't know what kind of animal it was. It wasn't a chicken. It wasn't a rooster. I know the sound of them. It was some other type of animal. And I'm thinking to myself, first of all, how is this a metaphysical shop? You don't even have the type of supplies that you really should have. And you're in the back slaughtering animals, knowing that it's illegal in the state of New York. So I said this to say to you, listening to this podcast, if you must, 
go to a dingy shop, suit up with all protection. Get your crystals, get your bracelets, get your necklace, put your essential oil on, put your body oil on, call on the ancestors, call on God, say the Lord's Prayer, say Psalms 23, protect yourself with Psalms 91, and go on ahead and get your stuff. If you can find a website that delivers, do that. There aren't too many metaphysical shops, but there are a plethora of botanicas. Metaphysical shops should be well-versed, well-versatile in their shops. And they typically don't slaughter animals. There should be raw crystals and tumbled crystals and, and sage and herbs and oils and baths and soaps and just all mannerisms of things, jewelry, books, all kinds of things. That's a true metaphysical shop and it should be clean and the Rose of Jericho should have fresh water in it. If not fresh, it should be clean water. There's a way to change that water and not kill the plant. You can just check it on YouTube. So for those of you that want to know about ancestral vener veneration, I'm going to give you a very um, easy way to do an ancestral veneration that doesn't have anything to do with Santeria in the event that that's not your lineage, you know. I would suspect that anyone who listens to my podcast does not come from the Santeria lineage. I typically do not attract um, people from the Santeria religion. There's been, you know, one or two here or there, but they never stick. They usually come to um, teach me something about myself, not about spiritual work, but about myself. And then they kind of just go on about their business. So when you do an ancestral veneration, what you want to do is have your white candles, right? So you're going to have... Hold on, I'm thinking. Because there's... One easy way to do it, if you live by yourself and you don't have any children and no pets, and then there's another easy way to do it if you do have children and pets. So if you don't have any children or any pets, here's what you do. You get yourself five white candles. In the middle, you're going to put your three-day candle. And on the what's surrounding that middle candle is the four white candles, and those are seven-day candles. You put some healing herbs in it, and you have to research it. Put some healing herbs in it, and you have your incense, your frankincense, and your myrrh, and you have your cup of water, and... 
you venerate your ancestors. You say the Lord's Prayer um, and you welcome in your ancestors to walk with you uh, while you're on earth and to help you along the way um, and calling those who are for your greatest and highest good and ask them to protect you from anything unseen that would try to harm you, okay? For those of you that have children and pets, you want to typically use your armoire because it's the highest place in your home. And you want to put three candles up there. You want to put one, a three-day candle in the middle, two on the outside. You want to have your cup of water. Um, you want to put your healing herbs in it. Again, research it. You want to say the Lord's Prayer. You want to welcome in the ancestors, ask them to walk with you. Those are for your greatest and highest good. And ask them to protect you from the things that are unseen. And um, you let it burn for, well, of course, your seven-day candles are going to burn for seven days. But your three-day candle is only going to um, burn, of course, for three days. So you're using all white. You're not putting no bluing agent in it. You're not putting any food as an offering on the altar. Um, of course, you're going to have your frankincense and myrrh. And it would be a good idea to put your Bible next to your ancestral veneration ritual. Okay? And also put some flowers up there. I almost forgot that part. Put your flowers. All right. Once you're welcoming your ancestors for, you know, to help you, begin to talk to them like they're human beings and right there with you and have conversations with them. And do the same thing with God as well. Talk to him like he's a human being right there with you. Invite him to go with you to the supermarket. Invite them to go with you while you're on the walking trail. Whatever you're doing, if you're listening to music, invite them in. All right? The ancestral veneration is done only once a year. The same way that holy anointing oil is done once a year. Now, if you want to know how to make holy anointing oil, go and read Exodus chapter 30. And it will tell you exactly what you need to make your holy anointing oil, okay? Now your holy anointing oil is an all-purpose all oil. You can anoint yourself with it. You can anoint your altar with it. You can anoint your house with it, um, your apartment. If you live in an apartment, take that oil and make a cross right at the doorstep on the inside of your home, of your apartment. Make a cross, if you live in a house, you can take that same oil and pour it on the outside of your house, but the four corners of your house. And again, you want to say the Lord's Prayer. If you're led um, for any other scripture, say that. Okay? Follow your intuition on that. Of course, you want to pray protection. Psalms 91 is really good for protection. You definitely want to keep that in your prayer. 
for the ancestor altar itself, you definitely want to keep a cup of water up there. And you want to change that water every couple of days. Um, I typically change my water, my ancestor altar water, um, two or three times a week. I do not allow it to be stagnant. We don't want that water looking like how it did at the shop with the uh, <laughs> Jericho plant and they were all moldy and, and slimy and dirty. We don't want that, okay? When it comes to ancestor offerings, they eat the same food that you eat. So whatever it is that you make yourself for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, give it to them. Uh, put it on a plate. Typically what people do is they throw it out and give it to the animals outside when they get ready to take it from off of the altar. I personally just throw it in the garbage. Um, the ancestors do like sweets. Um, in St. Teria, they always tell you, get a pound cake, give them a pound cake. I don't give my ancestors pound cakes. I give them whatever it is that I, if I'm eating Ferrero Share chocolate, that's what I give them. If I'm eating ice cream, that's what I give them. If I'm getting the, uh, what's this called? What's this cake called? I absolutely love it. Tres leches. I give them, a, I buy an extra one for them so that they can have the tres leches. If I drink soda, I get a small glass, pour some soda in it, put a couple of ice cubes in that bad boy, and I put that on the altar. If I'm eating seafood, I give them some seafood. I give them french fries. If I make porridge, I give them porridge, whatever I eat. I'm not giving them food, you know, three times a day, seven days a week. No, I typically give them dinner every couple of days out of the week. It's not seven days. It might be two or three days out of the week, but it's not breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, I do give them tea, and I recognize that they like it with white sugar and honey, um, and specifically Lipton tea. So I give that to them. We give the tea on a Sunday, okay? Um, as far as the food goes, I typically don't let it sit on the table long, well, not the table, but the altar longer than 24 hours. After that, it goes in the garbage. I'm not making big feasts you know, and putting it on a plate to them, I put a little bit because I know that it's going in the garbage, okay? Um, something that God pointed out to me about veneration, and this was quite interesting. So I'm going to explain it to you differently from how he told it to me. You know how demons get their strength. They're not physical things, they're spirit things, right? And they need energy, that, and it has to come from the natural realm into the spirit realm. And the more energy they get, the more they begin to get stronger until they begin to manifest. Once those demons manifest, they, they can turn into poltergeist. They can scratch you or bite you or push you down a flight of stairs. They may take over your body. They'll have enough strength to take over your body. And the way that they do that is fear, which is why I don't like it when pastors be pushing that fear. I don't like it when when the news pushes fear. I don't like it when people are always talking 
in fear because that's that energy, the energy of fear feeds demons. The more they get that energy, the more strength they get and the more they can manifest, right? So my prayer is always, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I'm sorry, I just paused because I just, <laughs> I just saw something that's just wild in my house, you know. And you welcome in the ancestors, how friendly and loving they are, you know. Um... So it's kind of the same thing with the ancestors. They need strength, and it has to come from the natural realm into the spirit realm, right? So veneration is a form of energy. When you light that candle, you're giving them energy. When you give them food and water and, and you know, cakes and cookies and chocolates and ice cream and this kind of thing, it gives them energy, when you talk to them, that gives them energy. When you love on them, that gives them energy. The more energy you give them, the stronger they can become and the more they can work and manifest. Okay? So, that is the purpose of veneration, is to give them some strength. Putting things on the altar for them is to give them some strength. Okay, you strengthen God simply by having a relationship with him, with him. You talk to him and you pray and you honor him and you listen to what he say, because he's not going to steer you down the wrong road at all. He wants you to be in the right path and he, he actually he wants you to follow your north node. Something that I learned about the natal chart is that it is God's spiritual blueprint for your life the natal chart is like prophesying and the reason why i say it's like prophesying is because you'll notice whether you um do natal chart consultations for other people or maybe you've heard a consultant say this it's exhausting after you do about two or three charts they're drained and the only way that they can replenish their energy is through sleep Prophets are the same way. Once you get done prophesying to a couple of people, you're drained. And the only way to, to replenish that energy is through sleep. And so I call the natal chart a prophecy because it does the same thing. It's draining when you're interpreting what's on that chart and you're replenished through sleep. So the natal chart, again, is God's spiritual blueprint for your life. And you should know it's in your natal chart, okay? Um, particularly follow that north mm -hmm. node. Study as much about your north node, the house that it's in, the sign that it's in, and the degree that it's in. Study as much about that as possible. And then once you're done with that, that's when you go into the aspects like sextile and, and um, sextile and trine. And there's some other aspects to look at as well. But you start with the positive ones first, okay? It's a good place to start. All right, so that's my spiel about ancestral veneration. It's really quite simple. 
Again, it's done once a year. And what you do is contingent upon who you live with. <laughs> if you live by yourself, five candles. If you live with children and pets, you need three candles and you need to put it on top of the armoire out of, um, you know, the way of children. Don't burn your house down. Do not burn your house down. Do not burn your house down. Do not burn your house down. Don't burn your house down. Do not burn your house down. Do not bring a house down. Okay. All right, you guys. Until next time. Shalom.